Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Praise the Lord, somebody. Come on, somebody shout praise the Lord. Come on, how many people love Jesus? Did he wake you up this morning? Did he start you on your way? You could have been dead, lost, confused, beat up from the feet up, torn from the floor, but you find yourself happy, healthy in the house of the Lord. One more time, somebody got to give God a shout. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord, somebody. Amen. I can button my jacket now. I didn't used to be able to do it before. We're doing some things different this year, and I got excited about that, so I wanted to share it with somebody. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise God. So as Pastor already mentioned, we, uh, we're going all this month on leadership, and um, we've prepared a message uh, to share with everybody. Um, that's probably all the shouting I'm going to do. If you don't mind, I'm just going to teach a little bit and bring forth some principles and some concepts. If that's all right. Is that all right? Yeah. Amen. Um, as far back as I can remember, I think from, I think about 2006 when I first came to uh, Apostolic Worship Center, I've uh, pretty much always been in authority and under authority. And... Um, it has blessed my life to, to be under such circumstances. Um, right now, going into my fourth year as a manager at Whitecap, and we started um, at a smaller branch that did a million a month. I had about four or five people, direct reports, that reported directly to me. And we got to the point where they promoted us and moved us to a building that did $5 million a month. And now we have 20 people underneath us that are our direct report, that report directly to us, and about 10 drivers. So I manage probably close to about 30 people, different personalities, different people. And the promotion came by the grace of God because when you can be faithful in the little things then God can bless you with more but whatever you can't manage will be taken from you so we're still there they haven't taken us uh, taken our position away from us. We didn't get fired or ran off. Matter of fact, uh, we're going on our second year with an, an exceeds rating, and um, we're just going to keep moving forward. The reason I tell you that is not to brag or to self-promote or to boast, to self-glorify. That's not the reason that I'm telling you, hey, look at me. I'm all that. Look at the position I hold. If I can... I want to make my boast in the Lord and tell you that the reason why I am where I'm at is because I have applied all of the principles and concepts that I learned here underneath pastor in this church. Amen. 
which the saying is true, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. It started here in the house of the Lord and then we were able to take it out and apply it out there. I tell you, not a day goes by that I don't hear lessons teaching the word of God in my mind as I'm dealing with people throughout the day. My mentality is that even though these people work for me, my job is to serve them. And it's taken me so far. We don't have time to be refusing people's phone calls. When somebody calls you, you can't ghost them. I don't feel like dealing with that. My job is to serve this person that's calling me. That's my mindset every time my phone calls. My phone rings, I should say. But if you have that mindset going forward, it's going to be very difficult for you to be a successful leader. And everything, everything I learned right here in the house of the Lord. And God is worthy of all the glory, all the honor, and all of the praise. Um, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the Gospel of St. John, chapter 10. And we're going to... Um, be reading from verse 12 on into verse 14. Those of you that have Bibles. Amen. It's uh, the timing of the Lord is perfect because just, uh, just a couple weeks ago, I was um, watching a documentary on Lewis and Clark. And a very good documentary on Lewis and Clark. And then the Lord showed me, that's your, that's your lesson about leadership, Lewis and Clark. How many people heard of Lewis and Clark before? Okay. So we're going to glean some spiritual concepts through uh, Lewis and Clark's journey, if that's all right. Is that all right, somebody? Amen. The Gospel of St. John, chapter 10 and verse 12. Those of you that got it, shout Amen. But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches them and scatters the sheep. The hireling flees because he's a hireling and he don't care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and I am known of mine. Are you an are you an owner or a renter? When, when, when you're an owner, you, you start to do things a little different from when you rent. When you rent, you have no vision for your apartment. You don't go out and be like, yeah, I'm going to change the window coverings here. and We're going to change this out. I'm going to put all new hardware all across their floors. No. When you rent... You call somebody, hey, the toilet ain't working. Come fix this toilet. But when you own, you got to kind of take care of the toilet yourself. Ain't nobody that you calling to come fix that toilet. When you own, you have a vision. And you start to say, I'm going to put a wall here. We're going to cover this like this. We're going to change this out and do that. And you have a vision for the future for your house because you own we need more owners in the house. The hireling was not an owner. 
He was a renter. But when you own, you buy in and you're locked in. Are you a leader or a manager? Are you a leader or a manager? Because when you manage, you can manage and not be a leader. But you can't be a leader and not be able to manage. A leader is a different breed. It's more than just pushing buttons and pulling levers, giving commands. You have to take ownership. Turn to somebody and take ownership. For the next few moments, I want to speak on the topic, leader or manager, with a question mark. Turn to somebody next to you and tell them, are you a leader or a manager? That's all right. Find somebody else. They didn't answer you. Find somebody else. Ask them, are you a leader or a manager? You leading or you managing? Are you just getting by or, or, or are you taking people places? Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day, for this time that you've given us, God, to come and present your word, God. We thank you, Lord, for everything you're doing in our lives. Guide us, direct us, show us, God, how to make heaven our home. We thank you for everything that you're doing, God. When it's all said and done, we turn around and give you all the glory, all of the honor, and every last bit of the praise. Everybody that was thankful and grateful, shout it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, with a great round of applause unto the Lord. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Um, back in the early beginning of this country, the United States, uh, back in uh, about the turn of the century, uh, about 1800, the third president of the United States, Thomas Jefferson, made a purchase from France of a piece of land. And he purchased this land for three cents an acre. How many people want to purchase land for three cents an acre? I would love to purchase land for three cents an acre, baby. Let me tell you, I got about $100 in my pocket right now. Three cents an acre. And doubled the uh, size of the United States at that time. This was known as the Louisiana Purchase. Anybody familiar with it? All right. About six people out of 100. <laughs> um, in buying this huge piece of land, it was important to send somebody out to go and see the land. Nobody had been out there, especially a person of European descent, had been out any further past the uh, Mississippi River. So Thomas Jefferson contracted a man by the name of uh, Meriwether Lewis, and him and his companion, Lewis Clark, grabbed an expedition and uh, about 40 people, roughly, and took off from St. Louis and journeyed westward towards the Pacific Ocean. Um, and their idea or their vision at that time was to find a portage, which was just a land crossing between two nav navigable rivers in order to uh, establish trade and commerce with the West Coast. Um, but that changed very quickly. And on the way out there, there were some things that happened and some decisions that had to be made. And, and, and there was thought processes that came out that you can see that were very apparent in, um, in Lewis and in Mr. Clark that we see today through their journals how they led this expedition. 
Um, it took them a couple years to get all the way to the Pacific Ocean and to get all the way back. And in that whole time, they only lost one person. So you have to understand that back in that days in the wilderness, they had no idea what they were going to encounter. They encountered uh, buffalo, pronghorn, bears, grizzly bears. And during the whole time, they were traveling along the Missouri River and they would have to make decisions and they would have to make choices and they would have to deal with the men that were there on the expedition. And even though they were extremely good at making decisions, they also had to allow other people to guide them and lead them and help them. Does anybody know what I'm talking about today? You can be the best leader and the best decision maker, but you will always need somebody to help you out of a sticky situation. Amen, somebody. What I'm going to do right now is I'm going to share some journal entries with you. There's five of them that I'm going to share with you. And we're going to bring out some of the leadership characteristics that we see in Lewis and Clark, where we can glean spiritual truths and spiritual concepts that we can apply to ourselves here today. Are you with me? People look at me like, man, this brother crazy. He done gone into my school textbook and bringing out stuff, preaching on it. We're preaching on documentaries. Let me tell you something. There's no greater joy than seeing the spiritual application in something that wasn't meant to be spiritual. Amen. I mean, God can show you anything through anything. Amen. Lord, have mercy. So I'm going to show you some things. Um, there were some journal entries that were made by uh, Meriwether Lewis. And that's pretty much what we have today that survives from the expedition. Um, the expedition was called the Corps of Discovery. This is pretty much all we have left is the testimony from what the journals say. So what we see from his first journal entry, um, which is the most um, famous journal entry of the entire expedition, is, is, is the application that we can apply to ourselves, and we'll see it here in a minute, is that number one, a leader must constantly self-examine. Turn to someone next to you and tell them a leader must self-examine. You have to self-examine constantly as a leader to look at yourself and see how do I look? How am I coming across? Amen. This is what Meriwether Lewis wrote. He said, I have in all human probability now existed about half the period which I am to remain in the world. I reflected that I had as yet done but little, very little indeed, to further the happiness of the human race or to advance the information of the succeeding generation. I viewed with regret the many hours I have spent in indolence, and now sorely feel the want of that information which those hours would have given me had they been judiciously expended. But since they are past and cannot be recalled, I dash from me the gloomy thought and resolve in future to redouble my exertions and at least endeavor to promote those two primary objects of human existence by giving them the aid of that portion of talents which nature and fortune have bestowed upon me or in future to live for mankind as I have heretofore lived for myself. In his self-reflection, the first thing that we see is that Meriwether Lewis went from selfish to selfless. He says, I've been doing things for the wrong reason the whole time. 
And now I need to start doing it for all of mankind instead of myself. See, last year, some people may have had the wrong motives going through the groups. How many people know what I'm talking about? Where you get the mindset like, oh, my word, here we go again. We got to have another group. How am I going to do this? I got to get up. I got to get everything together. And, and, and we take the mindset of how is it going to make me feel? How am I going to feel about it? Going forward, in order to change things going forward, in order to be fruitful, because we are in the year of fruitfulness. Can somebody say amen on that? In order to be fruitful, you're going to have to die to yourself. The seed, unless it dies, cannot bring forth fruit. You can't be worried about how you're going to feel. You have to be, you have to be selfless in this thing. Turn to somebody next to you and tell them, be selfless. He learned that he had to put himself to one side in order to advance the cause of what they were there to establish. If he was worried about his comfort level, about how many mosquitoes were out. Hello? He would have turned around and went home and put a big old, wrapped himself in a mosquito net. Amen, somebody? But he wasn't worried about his own comfort. He was worried about what the, what the vision was. Which brings me to number two. He, you have to go from goal-oriented to vision-oriented. You have to go from goal-oriented to vision-oriented. A lot of us, what we do is we just waste our time just in the moment, thinking about what we need to do for now. Who's going to give the Bible study? Who's going who's gonna to greet the people? Who's going to fill out the sign-in sheet? And you're just worried about just today. You're worried about just this group. And that's good and fine as long as you have the backdrop of what's the big vision of why we're here to do this to begin with? Why are we here? Why do we do this group? What is the purpose of this group? What is the vision? What are we hoping to establish? What is the end game? What is the end result? You have to go from goal-oriented to vision-oriented. You have to establish a vision and you have to say, this is what we're looking to achieve in the future through this group. We want to win so many people. We want to do this or we want to make our group like this to cater to this group of people. We want to have this many members and we want to reach this type of people. Where is the vision at today? But when we trudge through with just goals, oh, we just got to make it to get everybody here. We got to make everybody get a ride here. You're, you're, you're going through the motions, but you have no vision. Meriwether Lewis had to change his vision and his mindset to say, listen, the end game is to go all the way and report what we've seen and come back and bring it to President Jefferson. If we don't go forward with that mindset, we're going to fail the first mountain we hit. You see what I'm talking about? There's some truths to be gleaned from Lewis and Clark. Everybody with me? He had to lock himself in to decide that he was going to be an owner and not a renter. If you don't treat it like it's your own, hello, somebody. You have to treat this thing like it is your own. When I go to the warehouse, the warehouse belongs to me. I, can't, I don't have the luxury of answering somebody's question and saying, oh, why is this in this position instead of that? I can't turn around and say, I don't know. It's not my job. I don't know. Not my job. Everybody know what I'm talking about? 
Everything is your job. All of that is your business. Everything that has to do with the group is you. Amen, somebody. Managers focus on goals. Leaders focus on vision. Amen. Managers ask how and when. Leaders ask what and why. Manager just wants to know what's your immediate task. What are you working on? How are you going to do it? Okay, you shouldn't do it like that. Do it like this. Okay. When is it going to be done? That's what managers do. How many people got managers? They ask how and when. Leaders ask what and why. If you're a leader, you're asking your people, why are we doing it like this? Does this achieve our vision? Does this achieve our goal? When can we expect results? Managers provide tasks. Leaders provide direction. You as a leader, if you come to your group and you say, hey, I just need you to get this done. And every time you call them, hey, I need you to do this. Hey, this is your job. Hey, you need to get this done. Guess what the other person on the other line? Man, I'm done with this guy. Because you become a taskmaster. Everything is just job, 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 job. But when you're a leader, you provide direction. You say, hey, this is what we need to do. This is how we need to go about it in order to get to the objective, the vision. You keep people inspired. You keep people thinking, man, yeah, I'm doing this job, but the job has X and Y benefit and Z benefit. Amen? Hello, somebody. Is this all right? Come on, let's give God a round of applause. Managers create stability. Leaders create change. You ever wonder why your group was just the same group all the time? Every Sunday, every, every Friday, every Thursday, your group was the same. Such and such got up and gave the lesson, and this person filled out the sign-in sheet, and this person did the worship, and here we are, praise God. Because if you're that type of person, you're a manager that creates stability. You give people what they expect. This is the way we've always done it. And sure, your group is running and it's stable, but that's not a leader. The leader sees, hey, this ain't working and it's not, it's not achieving the vision. We need to change it. Oh, come on, somebody. You as the leader, you are the, you are the pastor of a tiny church. So cute. Oh, open up out of the box as a tiny church. It's yours. <laughs> pastor it. You're the pastor of a small church, but you don't, if you don't see yourself like that, your job is to direct and to implement change, not maintain. You can either maintain it and make sure that it runs correctly, or you can change it and modify it. How many, bro oh, come on now. When you're an owner, you change things. In your house, you say, yeah, I'm going to turn this wall down because we walk through here, and I'm going to change this because of that. If your group is not working and not producing the, the a vision, then you change it. The leader says, no, we're going to change this. Guess what? People don't like change. 
And that's where it takes the leader to step up and say, listen, I understand your opinion, but we're going to change this anyway. Thank you, but no thanks. We're changing this. <laughs> There's so many things that I changed over there, and it drove people insane. Who is this guy coming in from over here at this job, coming over here and changing everything? I said, listen, this is not working like this. Obviously, it's been established like this for so long, and it stays like that. I'm changing it. Throwing all this away. What? You're throwing that away? Yeah. Does this move? We're throwing it away. You can't throw that away. It's always been there. I know it's always been there. We need to throw it away. I'm throwing all this away. Who are you? I'm, I'm in charge. You can't do that. Yes, I can. Watch me. Praise the Lord, somebody. I don't speak for myself, but this is all you. All of you have to have the same attitude and the same mindset. You have to. Managers think of the short term. Leaders think of the long term. The manager is just concerned about today, how we're going to get past today's events, how we're going to make it through the day, how we're going to fill in all the gaps, make sure that all the stations are manned, make sure everybody's in their place doing what they're doing. Oh, man, such and such called out sick. Man, he's out. How are we going to? Okay, we're going to replace that person right there like that. That's the manager. The leader says, this person's calling out sick? Okay, we need to put in a wreck and bring two new people in. So that when somebody calls out sick, I don't have to scruffle to, we can just bring two people in and move the people around. That's the leader mindset. Oh my gosh. Is this all right? If you waited for me to preach, I'm already preaching. I'm not going to be shouting. <laughs> The leader has to have the long-term mindset, thinking ahead, looking ahead on the road. How many people, when you drive, are driving on a trip, and all of a sudden you come up to a place where the road is closed, you're snowed in. You find yourself having to turn around and backtrack 75 miles because you didn't think ahead. You didn't check traffic. You didn't see if, lane, if, if, if roads were closed. Now you got to take you and all your family back down three hours Back down the same way, and it's, and it's 30 degrees outside. And you've added four hours onto your trip because you failed to see. Lord, have mercy. <laughs> Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I got some people know what I'm talking about. You got to think of the long term. You got to look at the whole journey, not just what's in front of you. We get into this mundane, okay, what are we going to do about the group today? No, what are we going to do about the group for this year? Every day you're thinking about this year. Not just for that day. Every day you're thinking about this year. That's the leader mindset. It's vision-oriented, not goal-oriented. Everybody with me so far? Let's give the Lord a round of applause. Number two, a leader must lead a team, not a group. You got to lead a team. I know that we colloquially, we call it a group, but you have to make your group a team. What is the difference between a, a group and a team? A team communicates and talks. They work things out. They deal with their issues together as a team. They bounce ideas off of each other. 
they voice their opinions. Everybody is hurt. A group is just a group of people. It'll be the same people that you get on the metro with as a group. Am I lying about it, Pastor? You can get on the bus with a group. It don't mean that y'all a team. Now, there's teams that get on buses. Praise the Lord. Don't be a group. Be a team. Listen. It's okay to grab feedback from everybody and opinion. And what do you think? And listen to everybody because guess what? You don't know it all and neither do I. And where you may think that you're right, somebody might just move something over two inches and you'd be like, oh, I didn't even see that. How unintelligent would we look if you pulled the trigger on this and then somebody came to move it over one inch and you just made you look bad because you were too stubborn or too proud to listen to somebody's advice. You can receive everybody's feedback, everybody's opinion, but ultimately the decision is yours because it's not a democracy. Amen. Everybody like, what? <laughs> As they were traveling up the Missouri River in the spring of 1805, they came to a junction where two forks of the Missouri came together to form the main river. The two conjoining rivers were close enough in size that it was difficult to determine which channel was the Missouri and which one was just a tributary. Lewis and Clark asked for the opinion of each man. Then they set out to measure the width, the depth, and the current of the forks. Finally, they climbed to a high bluff to get a better perspective. After all this, Lewis and Clark were convinced the South Fork was the Missouri. While their men were equally confident, it was the North. So in other words, even though all the people said, you know what, that's the way to go. It still falls on the leader to look at that. And then make the decision for himself and say, you know what? This is where the Lord's guiding me. This is where the Lord is directing me. I know you guys don't see it and you might get upset. You might get mad. It might not make sense, but I'm sorry. This is what we're going to do. I've heard you. Amen. But this is the direction that we're taking. This is his journal entry. Today, we examined our maps and compared the information derived as well from them as from the Indians and fully settled in our minds the propriety of adopting the South Fork for the Missouri as that it would be most expedient for us to take. Those ideas as they occurred to me, I endeavored to impress on the minds of the party of all except whom Captain Clark um, being still firm in the belief that the North Fork was the Missouri and that we ought to take uh, we ought to take that one. They said very cheerfully that they were ready to follow us anywhere. We thought proper to direct, but that they still thought the other river and that they were afraid of afraid that the South Fork would soon terminate in the mountains and leave us at a great distance from the Columbia. Here's one man standing alone. And even his co-partner is in a different opinion from him. He's asked the opinion of everybody, which way do we go, north or south? They said, we should go to the north. He says, look it, after all of my calculations, we're going to the south. 
just because he included everybody when he made his decision, everybody says, we will go with you wherever you want. Because you thought enough of me as a human being to value what I have to say, I'll follow you. People are looking to be led by people like that. That aren't too proud to say, oh, this is what we're going to do and I don't care. Amen. But he made his decision and he moved forward based off of what his team told him. Turn to somebody next to you and tell them you need to lead a team, not a group. Ultimately, the decision rests on you. Amen, somebody. This is a team where individuals were encouraged to share their opinion, where subordinates freely disagree with superiors, and where the group rallies and commits behind a decision once it's been made. With full trust in leadership, you can't care about people's negative opinion of you. People are going to talk bad about you because you're not doing what they want. But guess what? You can't care about the people's negative opinion. But what you do need to care about, you need to care about the people, though. What? Doesn't make any sense. Don't worry about what they say, but care for them and their welfare and their security. The same way that you would care for a child, guess what? I know you don't like it and I know you disagree, but I know what's best for us and this is what we're going to do because I care about you and your welfare and your well-being. Amen, somebody? By voting, they encouraged everyone in the group to a buy-in in the decision and to live with the consequences without resorting to complaints or humility. You involve people in the decision-making process. Don't be a standalone, I know everything, you can't touch me. Hello, somebody. Praise the Lord. You're going to do it the way I say. Ask somebody how far that got them. Praise the Lord, somebody. When you include people, people see the decision process and they buy into it. They're like, okay, yeah. I, I had a say in this and, that, and we're going the way that you, 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 I suggested. And, and you know what? I'm right behind you. Now you get more people with you that are going to help you in the cause. How many people need help in their group? Praise the Lord. Start involving them in your team. A manager will just tell you, this is the way we're going to do it. And if you don't like it, oh well. That's a manager. Manager is going to tell you, well, I'm in charge. So just get to cracking. Chop, chop. That's a manager. Ask yourself, are you a leader or are you a manager? Amen, somebody? Praise the Lord. Number three, a leader must be a servant. Turn to somebody next to him and ask him, are you a servant? Is everybody with me? Is, are you, is everybody with me? Okay. As the expedition approached the great falls of the Missouri, they faced the daunting task of getting around this obstacle. The portage was long and arduous. The men made many trips back and forth, ferrying their supplies and instruments from the falls to above. When they finally arrived above the Great Falls and established a camp to rest, Lewis recorded in his journal. First off, before I read the journal entry, this is what's happening. They come to the falls, right? They come to a place where, okay, 
Now they have to not go over the falls because they're traveling in the river. They have to literally take everything out of the boat, take it by land, past the falls, and put it back in the water. That's called a portage. Everybody with me? So these guys are busting their chops, taking everything by hand for miles. All of the team is working. Turn to somebody next to you and tell them they're working. They are working. They are, they are working like never before. This is his entry. He said, to myself, I assigned the duty of cook. I collected wood and water and boiled a large quantity of excellent dried buffalo meat and made each man a large sweet dumpling by way of a treat. In other words, while all of his people were working, he was busy in the kitchen to cook and serve them. Has your boss ever served you? Has your leader ever served you, cooked you something to eat, made something for you, cooked for you? Jesus washed the disciples' feet. He served them. You can't have the mindset that I'm above you and that's beneath me. If you have that mindset, it's going to be very difficult. You have to have the mindset of, of yes, you guys are working at my behest, but my job is to serve you and take care of you, make sure that your needs are met, even if I have to go and do it myself. He assigned himself the duty of cook. Why? Because nobody was above him to assign him the duty. Sometimes the boss just has to say, well, I'm going to have to sweep. Guess what? I'm going to have to do the sign-in sheet. I'm not going to try and stick it on this person. I'm going to have to do it. And, and I'm going to be glad to do it. I, I'm going to have to bring the chips. And I'm glad to do so. Hello, you guys know what I'm talking about? We can't have this, 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 I'm higher than you, greater than you. Uh, you can't do that. It doesn't matter what level you get to. You can't have the mindset that you're above or greater. You're equals with the people. You've just been given the authority of the last say so. You just get to call the shot. The buck stops with you. Amen, somebody. If we are directing our team to serve, you have to lead by example. All this year, in order to do things different, we have to learn how to serve people. Our job is to serve them, if it be to pick them up. Waste your gas. I don't even call it wasting. Use your gas. Don't call it waste. Because when you say, oh, I'm going to waste my gas, guess, guess how it would feel if somebody said that they were coming to pick me up, they had to waste their gas. They had to waste their gas, Pastor. Wow, that's what you think of me? You say volumes in that one word. You don't even know what you're saying. You just told that person all about how you felt about them by saying the word waste. I wasted my gas. Yeah. Serving people, making them something to eat. 
Amen, somebody? You ain't going to get nowhere with nobody unless we start showing the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise the God, somebody. You, you, know that, you know that people are judging us as a church? Oh, that church over there? No, they won't answer your phone call. Yeah, the guy over there, the one in the group? Yeah. Their group is all messed up. They have these things called groups. <laughs> that was a joke. You know that, that the people are judging us and we have a testimony that we represent the kingdom of God? Do you know that you're a representative of the kingdom of God? You don't represent yourself. You do not represent yourself out here in these groups. This ain't your group. This is Jesus' group. If, if, it was, if, if you were a manager and your people were out there working, the manager would be like, well, y'all better hurry up. Hurry up because ain't nobody cooked nothing yet. That's the manager. Guess why? Because the manager can do that. You can do that, but how do you make the people feel? You have every right to do that. You're the manager. You're in charge, whatever you say. But how do you think the people receive that? Man, that guy, all he did was just sit up there underneath that tree and write in his journal while I took this canoe 75 miles down the road. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Does everybody know what I'm talking about? We, we got to change that. We have to. Last year, we, we got to change that. Amen, somebody. Amen. Number four, a leader must be a motivator. Turn up somebody next to you tell them you be a motivator. Yeah, be a motivator. You got to motivate. You got to make people want to do it. You got to take somebody that didn't want to do it, and all of a sudden, they asking you how to do it. You got to motivate people. When times were difficult on the trail, Lewis was often encouraging his men to keep their spirits up and not to lose sight. Can you imagine being away from home for 18 months walking? Walking. Let's say you left Pacoima today and you started walking. You got on the 210 and started walking till you got to Blythe and past Phoenix and you just walked all the way into Texas and Mississippi. Walking. A year and a half, you've been walking a year and a half, walking. Would you not get tired and say, man, I wish I could go home right now? People have to be motivated. They have to be refreshed. They need revival. Oh, my gosh. You have to remind people, hey, 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 you got to talk to somebody and say, hey, don't you want a piece of the glory? You want to taste it with a taste like. You got to refresh people. People lose sight of the goal. You have to be the one to maintain the vision. James is laughing. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you, you as the leader, you have to click the refresh on them. And you have to remind them, hey, remember, we, we said out here, I know it's rough, it's tough, but man, we're almost there. Man, think about, man, back home, we're going to be heroes, man. Don't you want a hero's welcome? Man, when we get back, man, man, it's going to be great. Man, it's going to be sick.
Right? Hey, think about it, man. <laughs> Praise the Lord, somebody. After a frightening encounter with the Blackfeet, they ran into some Indians out there, and they were already leery about him. Fell asleep at the camp. In the morning, Lewis wakes up to the sound of a scuffle. Clark is fighting this Indian for his, for his rifle. And they turn around, they get the rifle back, and they end up killing both of these Indians. This is Lewis and Clark. I'm not making this up. You can see this in your history book. After they kill these two Indians, they almost lost them li their lives themselves. They jump on their horses and they ride 24 hours straight. They're galloping 24 hours straight. Why? Because he knows they're on their tail. They are coming for bloody revenge. They're coming. After a fighting encounter with the Blackfeet, Lewis and a small party that accompanied him made a hasty retreat, traveling more than 90 miles by horseback in less than 24 hours. Lewis woke the next morning exhausted and sore, and yet he feared the Blackfeet were in pursuit and understood the gravity of the situation. Here's his journal entry. You ready? This is what he wrote about it. The morning proved fair. I slept sound, but fortunately awoke as day appeared. I awaked the men and directed the horses to be saddled. I was so sore from my ride yesterday. You know, saddle sore, right? I was so sore from my ride yesterday that I could scarcely stand. And the men complained of being in a similar situation. However, I encouraged them. You see that? However, I encouraged them by telling them that our own lives, as well as those of our friends and fellow travelers, depended on our exertions at this moment. Hey, if we don't do this, man, we're going to die and all of our other crew is going to die. We need to get up. We need to get going. We can do this. We need to, man, do you realize how much is on the line? They were alert soon. All of a sudden, they weren't tired no more. That's what he said. They were alert soon and prepared the horses and again resumed our march. We have to be able as leaders to tell our group member, our team members, listen, man, you're doing an awesome job. Hey, the way that you did the, the, the sign-in sheet, how you wrote the notes, that's perfect. This is nice. You know that you have to always, always uplift, and it can't always be negative. You cannot always provide negative feedback to your people. They only hear when things are going wrong. You always point out the mistakes. Hey, you messed up right here. Hey, you did this wrong. Hey, come here. Come to my office. Come to my office. Yeah, you messed up right here. Yeah, you did that wrong. Okay, you see it? Lines two and three wrong. People get worn out. You have to also tell them, hey, the way that you wrapped that the other day, the way that you packaged, the way you palletized, hey, that was great. That was wonderful. Hey, the way that you gave the Bible study the other day, that was awesome. That was great. And don't say, but, but. <laughs> you want people to be motivated and to work for you and to work to advance the kingdom of God? Motivate them. Give them praise. Tell them when things are good, not always bad. P 
People love praise. They do. They may not act like it. Oh, yeah, thanks. But inside, it was like, yeah, it's about time he noticed that. (laughs) You know that I tell people thank you as if they didn't owe it to me? Even though they're working and doing their job, I thank them as if they were doing me a favor. Even though they're doing their job and the company's paying them or the Lord is paying them, I still thank them as if they were doing it for me. Hey, thank you. Thank you. I do it all the time, nonstop, constantly. I'm always thanking people. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Because nobody wants to be in a thankless job. Imagine how you would feel if all you did was work to advance the kingdom of God. Yeah, we're doing it unto the Lord. I get it. But nobody in your group or your team ever told you, acknowledged what you did or said thank you. Hey, that was a great balloon bouquet you did, by the way. That was awesome. Thank you. It means a lot. You get more people on your side. What's the saying say? You catch more flies with honey than you do with vinegar. Hello, somebody. Come on, let's give God a round of applause. Manager, manager would have got up in the morning with his guys and seen his guys all tired and would have said, well, you better get it together. We got to go. You're going to die. As a manager, turn to somebody, tell them, don't be a manager. Leader or manager? Leader or manager? How are you doing your group this year? You going to manage your group or you going to lead it? Are you going to do it the same way you did last year? You're going to do it different this year. Are you an owner or are you a renter? Number five, and this is my last one, a leader must be just. You have to be just. You have to do it the same all the way across the board for everybody. You cannot have favorites. Oh my gosh, where's this coming from? I don't know, where's this coming out of left field. Early in the expedition, some of the men violated military rules that the party operated under. Lewis and Clark were not afraid to discipline these men as a, as a, and assign harsh punishment, including, in one case, over 75 lashes. The men were trying to determine what they could get away with. They wanted to see what they could get away with. Praise the Lord. Who's ever done that? Oh, he ain't going to say nothing. Test me if you want to. You, you want to try me? Here we go. The, the men were trying to determine what they could get away with. While Lewis and Clark were attempting to set high expectations for team behavior. When one of the party fell asleep on their watch or exercised mutinous behavior, they were met with stiff punishment. Lewis and Clark only had to resort to the lash a few times very early in the expedition before it became clear to everybody what was expected. Two men who were intended to stay with the party for the entire journey were relieved of their duty in the spring of 1805 and went back to St. Louis. Sometimes you just need to separate people. Sorry, but you got to go. Because you're not getting it. Amen? Okay. By removing the two men who weren't a good fit for culture, it strengthened the culture for everyone else. 
Without this kind of corrective feedback and discipline, a team will regress. On the other hand, too much discipline can backfire too. Lewis and Clark have the wisdom to balance this equation and create a high-performing culture. You are going to make friends with people in your group. I promise you, you will have friendships and things will be good. But when something ain't right and you know it's not right, you have to speak up because you have to separate it. It cannot be, well, you're my friend, so I'm not going to say anything this time. No, 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 no. You have to be just and righteous all the way across the board. Lewis and, just were, Lewis and Clark were known for being just and righteous and treating everybody and setting what, what was expected. You know that if you're in a position of authority and people see you, people see you, uh, uh, how do I say, kind of kick rules to the side, oh, uh, well, you know, don't worry about that. People will lose respect for you and you won't even know it. They'll be like, oh, he don't even care. Why should I care? He doesn't care. He doesn't honor that rule. Why should I? Amen, somebody. The scripture says in Proverbs 27, 6 says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Your friend should be the one to tell you, hey, that's wrong. Can't do that. This is not right. That should come for your friend. Not, oh, we friends, so, you know, I'm not going to say nothing about you being on your phone. I'm not going to say anything about you, uh, you know, going with that sister or going with that brother. I'm not going to say nothing because we're friends. Praise the Lord, somebody. Ask yourself today, am I going to do things the same way that I did last year? Or am I going to do things different? Matter of fact, don't ask yourself. Ask your neighbor. You're going to do things the same or you're going to do things different? Let's all stand. Let's stand at this time. Ask somebody next to you. Are you a leader or are you managing? It's easy to manage. It's easy to manage. Manage, you do what's expected. You just get the job done. Nobody tell you nothing. You're not doing nothing wrong. But guess what? You're not doing anything right either. Turn to somebody next to you, ask them, are you an owner or are you a renter? When you own, you don't mistreat the equipment. You don't mistreat people. You don't ghost, you don't ghost your group member's phone call. Your leader calls you, you send them the voicemail. Ah, I don't want to deal with it. You know the number one killer? of you as a leader I'm going to tell you because I learned this very I learned it I had to learn it the hard way though the number one thing that will kill you from being a leader is not wanting to deal with it you don't want to deal with it I don't want to deal with it I don't want to deal with it go over there for what pick up his phone call for what I don't want to deal with it this year I challenge you I challenge you this year Pick up every phone call. Answer every text. Don't send anybody to voicemail. Deal with it. You know what they're calling about. You know they're going to ask you to do something on Saturday that you don't have. You had plans for something else. Deal with it. I promise you that's the number one thing. 
leaders don't want to deal with it. I challenge you this year. You know what? If everybody answered every phone call, I think we'd be good. If everybody answered everybody's phone call instead of saying, yeah, I don't want to deal with that, man, everything would be different. Ask yourself, how many phone calls did you send a voicemail last year? I don't know why I'm on this tangent, but it just has to do with leadership. It has to do with it because, because it's that as a leader, you got to deal with it. You got to answer them. You, got, you have to give an answer. That's what's going to make you a good leader. When you're a manager, you're off. I'm already clocked out. When you're a leader, you're always on the clock. Because that's your baby. That's, that's, that's you. You own it. Oh, man, my, my, my pipes burst in my, my house. My, my pipes started leaking at 2 in the morning. I'm, I'm off till 6. Amen. <laughs> Today. Today is your opportunity to change things. If you've been doing things as a manager and not a leader, you know you can repent today. You don't have to leave here the same way that you came in. You can change your mindset. You can say, I'm doing things different. I'm going to start doing the word of God instead of hearing it. Three people will come up to me and say, man, that was a great message. Thank you. I appreciate it. God bless you. But... We have to apply. Turn to someone and say apply. We all know it. We all know it, but we got to start doing it. Today is the day that you can do it. Today is the day that you can change. This year is your year. This year, you're a different leader. This year. Come on, would you lift up your hands all over this house? Come on. Come on, every hand lifted up. Would you just begin to pray and ask the Lord to show you?